Hello, I am Father Jason Emerson, the rector of the Episcopal Church of the Nativity in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. You have tuned in to Soul Searching, the Church of the Nativity podcast, where we explore the love of God through scripture, reason, and tradition. Today, we are continuing our discussion of the Catechism of the Episcopal Church, as found in the Book of Common Prayer 1979. There is a link to the Catechism in the show notes for your reference. As we talked about in Part 1, the Catechism is an outline of the faith, meant for instruction. It is written for us to learn about the faith and what the Episcopal Church teaches to be true. It is written in a question-answer format with several questions in each of the 18 sections. Last session, we talked about human nature. This week's topic is God the Father. The first question is, what do we learn about God as creator from the revelation to Israel? And the answer, we learn that there is one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. Taking the section as a discrete unit, this question and answer presumes a bit of knowledge about Judeo-Christian heritage. However, it is connected to the last answer of the previous section on human nature, where it describes God first revealing God's self to the people of Israel, the Jews. As Christians, we worship the same God that Jesus did, the one that Jesus called Father. And as a Jew himself, Jesus was referring to the God of the Jews, the God who revealed God's self and entered into a special relationship with the ancient Hebrews. Before that, however, God created And that action is key to understanding not only God, but also our place in the universe, as we will see shortly. The next question is, what does this mean? Answer, this means that the universe is good. That it is the work of a single loving God who creates, sustains, and directs it. This is a direct reference to the first creation story in the Bible. Yes, There is more than one creation story. In the first one, as God completes different parts of the creation, God says, it is good. There is quite a bit of significance to this declaration. This creation story, along with the other one in the beginning of the Bible, had been alive in the culture of the ancient Hebrews for centuries. It had been part of their oral tradition. We think it was written down and started taking the shape that we have it in now, during a period of their history when they were exiled from Palestine and Babylon. So, almost 600 years or so before the time of Jesus. Please note, I am not saying that the earth was created 600 years before Jesus. I'm saying the biblical creation stories were codified. The oral tradition starts becoming a written one about 600 years before Jesus. We know for a fact that the universe is much older than that. This is just when the story started getting written down. Again, this all likely happened while the ancient Israelites were in captivity in Babylon, and the Babylonian creation myth is completely different. In it, the universe is created out of violence and war between deities. There is no notion that the creation is a good thing. It is merely but a byproduct of war. So, it is significant that the God of the Jews, the God of Abraham and Sarah, the God of Jesus, creates peacefully and declares creation good. Which leads to our next question. 
What does this mean about our place in the universe? It means that the world belongs to its creator and that we are all called to enjoy it and to care for it in accordance with God's purposes. Because creation is good, we are meant for goodness, as Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu likes to say. One of the good things we are meant for is the stewardship of the earth, that is, taking care of creation. When, in the creation stories, God gives dominion over the earth, over all the animals and plants, soil and waters of the earth, it is not for humans to dominate the earth, rather to be stewards of God's creation and most importantly, stewards of each other. Next question. What does this mean about human life? Answer. It means that all people are worthy of respect and honor, because all are created in the image of God, and all can respond to the love of God. Again, I want to call upon some of the teaching of Archbishop Tutu here. He preaches that to be created in the image of God is to be God's viceroy. A viceroy is someone who rules on behalf of the king, queen, or emperor. Often in the ancients, when a governor would preside over a region on behalf of the emperor, there would be a statue, an image of the emperor in the room as well. The viceroy invoked the presence of the emperor. We as created in the image of God, invoke the presence of God. All of us do. Tutu takes this line of thinking and applies it to the marginalized, abused, and the oppressed. So when we persecute those on the margins, we are persecuting God's representatives on earth. Last question for today. How was this revelation handed down to us? This revelation was handed down to us through a community created by a covenant with God. All right, y'all, this is a bit of a vague answer, but it is intentionally vague because the next section of the catechism is about this very covenant community. So this question and answer is a segue into a discussion of the relationship between God and the ancient Jews. We'll get into that in the next episode. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. And, as always, if I've been too churchy, if I have failed in spots to put this discussion in everyday terms, please let me know in the comment section and I'll attempt to fix. If you came to the podcast via Facebook, please like, comment, and share it around. If you are a subscriber through Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate a five-star rating and review. Until then, I'm Father Jason Emerson, and remember, God loves you more than you can imagine. Thank you.